Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 42 through 44. God can do the impossible. And we need that. We need the hope of that because one specific situation where we will find ourselves in life that seems impossible is reconciliation. Reconciliation with someone else. Reconciliation with someone that has hurt you or that you have hurt. Now, as we think through that, just as a for instance, let's imagine that you had brothers and your brothers at one point in your life sold you into slavery. What do you think the odds are of you someday having a renewed and restored relationship with them? Uh, those are humanly impossible odds. By all accounts and all worldly reason, you're never going to have a relationship with those brothers again. But what we are going to see is that exact scenario in our text in Genesis coming true. That we see Joseph, who is separated from his brothers. By the end of this book, we will see a reconciliation in this whole family. And as we look at that, today our focus will more be on the change in the brothers, and particularly highlighting Judah. It's an interesting passage that we are coming across, but I think that's what we're going to most see highlighted, and even what, what I want you to focus on. Sometimes you're the one that needs to make the move towards reconciliation by changing yourself. Well, we're going to see a little more in the coming days of how Joseph responds in all of this and how his heart has been shaped by God to prepare for this reconciliation. But let's look at the story today. It's very interesting because of all the intrigue that goes on here and and even some of the things that Joseph does. Now, what is going on with Joseph? I mean, the brothers come, they go down to Egypt and clearly this is providential. They come to Joseph. It, it fulfills the dreams that Joseph had long ago. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph, uh, which is understandable now that he's probably looking more and walking more, talking like an Egyptian. Well, they don't recognize him, but he starts kind of aggressively with them of well, your spies and you've come to see the nakedness of the land, which was not true. It's interesting to wonder, did Joseph actually think that? But when we wonder, and that's kind of a mysterious part of this passage, at least to me, what exactly is Joseph thinking? Why is Joseph doing what he is doing? And I think one option that we can rule out is that he's just trying to stick it to his brothers and be vengeful. Because what we will see in the coming chapters of Genesis, I think, showed that was not what he wanted. And also, if he really did want to stick it to his brothers, well, then he wouldn't do this as he does. I mean, he wouldn't let any of them leave. He'd throw them all in prison and make them slaves if he wanted to stick it to his brothers. But I think there's actually a genuine desire to reconcile really the whole family because the brothers have not only sinned against Joseph, they've also sinned in a big way uh, against their father, Jacob. Think about that. 
um, the brothers have sinned against Jacob, that they sold his favorite son into slavery, and then they lied to him to cover up their sin. So I think really Joseph is pursuing a real reconciliation. And I think one thing he's trying to assess is, have my brothers really changed? Or are my brothers the same guys that they were when they sold me into slavery? And I think what we're going to see is there is change. There is change in the brothers. And that's what we'll focus most of our thoughts on today. But we go through the story. They come down. He accuses them of being spies. He mandates that they send one of the brothers to to stay, really. One of the brothers has to stay in Egypt, and that's going to be Simeon. And they need to go get Benjamin and bring him back. And not only that, when he lets them leave, they all find their money in their sack. So now it's going to, they're thinking, oh, he already thinks we're spies. Now it's going to look like we stole from him. And they actually cry out in verse 28, what is this that God has done to us? I wonder if that's an expression of a guilty conscience, right? These brothers having to live with the guilt of what they had done to Joseph uh, all of this time. But eventually they have to go back to Egypt. And, and the father is not wild about this. He, he's already upset at what has happened on this first trip. And now the, the father is resistant to them going back and he's upset at them. Why did you even tell them that I had another son? And they have a fair answer. Hey, this guy was asking us all these questions. How in the world were we supposed to know he'd be, hey, bring your brother down? How how should we have known that? Which is a fair question. But what cinches the deal, what seems to get them enabled to go back to Egypt is Judah stepping up and saying, send Benjamin with me. And in verse nine of chapter 43, he says, I will be a pledge of his safety from my hand. You shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Those are pretty strong words there from Judah, and it's not the last time that we're going to see Judah step up in our reading today. And uh, Jacob sends them along, even saying, give them, give him some presents. Maybe it was an oversight that your money was returned, so let's bring double so we can make sure everything looks like it's on the up and up. And then in verse 14, he says, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send you back May he send back your brother and Benjamin. Jacob does not know how true his words are, right? They are going to find mercy before the man in more ways than they ever would have dreamed true. So they go back. Joseph sees Benjamin. This time it seems a little more friendly. Joseph even invites them into his home and they're intrigued that they're sat in order and that Benjamin has a a blessed portion, five times as many as it says as the others. And it says, and they drank and were merry with Joseph. So things seem to be going well, but then Joseph tests his brothers by sending them back. And this time he puts this special silver cup in Benjamin's sack. And so Joseph's men go and they follow them and they overtake them. And now things start to seem a little more hostile again as Joseph instructs his servants to say to them, why have you repaid me evil for good? Why have you done this to me? And 
then they come back and they're saying, hey, what's the problem? And he's saying, hey, you have this cup and whoever it's found with shall be my servant. And it's found in Benjamin's, which all the brothers are saying, oh no, not Benjamin. He's the one that Jacob wants to return home. But notice here, enter again, Judah to the story. He comes in and he is the one who speaks to Joseph and says, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. And that's where he's saying, well, let's all be your servants. And Joseph's saying, no, just Benjamin. All I need is Benjamin. And then really what Judah goes on to do is to offer himself instead of Benjamin. And he makes a plea and even brings his father into it and how he loves Benjamin and how Judah had basically said, I've made a guarantee for this son. And this, what we'll see is it goes right into chapter 45. This seems to be the breaking point. And that's, this is going to lead to the big reveal um, where Judah is offering himself in the place of his brother and clearly doing it to save his father. Cause he ends by saying, you know, if I go back and this boy isn't here, I think my dad's going to die. Judah is trying to sacrifice himself, not only to save Benjamin, but to save Jacob. And that's where I would say we, we see the change today highlighted in the character of Judah. And there's a few things that are good for us just to see who you were is not how you have to always be. And there's a lot of hope to that in life. These brothers did something incredibly wicked. That doesn't need to define the rest of their life. You, in your past, may have done something incredibly wicked. That doesn't need to define the rest of your life. What you need to do is own up to your sin. And that's what I think we're starting to see more of with Judah. When Tamar confronts him, he says, she is more righteous than I. Even in our reading today, you know, he starts saying, God has found out the guilt of our servants. He, he seems to be owning up to guilt. And if you want well, to change, if you want to see hope in your future that's not defined by the sins of your past, the first step is owning up to your sin, not sweeping that past sin under the rug, not acting like it was no big deal, owning up to it. And then we know from the rest of scripture, and we see this most clearly in two descendants of Judah, David and Jesus, that there is hope to be found for forgiveness in God, ultimately through Jesus Christ. But we see Jacob modeling this, even think of the prayers he prays after he sins with Bathsheba, Psalm 51 or Psalm 32, I acknowledged my sin to God, have mercy on me, O Lord. He cries out for mercy. And then Judah, he bears fruit in keeping with repentance. And that's the path I want to lay out for you. If you are saying, man, there's relationships in my life that I have damaged, that I don't know if they can ever be repaired. We serve a God who does the impossible. Maybe reconciliation is possible. I can't guarantee that in every case, but here's an example. And history is full of them, and you probably know people, that God has reconciled beyond what would make sense at a human level, because that's what he does. And today, we'll focus more on you if you feel like, I've done something to hurt this relationship. I've done something here. Judah, I think, offers a glimpse of hope. You need to own up to your sin. 
You, you need to take ownership and responsibility for what you have done. You need to ultimately look to God for forgiveness. And then you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You need to, through the power of God and really through his spirit and having been cleansed by him, go live differently. And maybe God will give you some opportunity to show, no, there has been real, genuine change. I hope that encourages you. And I hope God even uses our reading here in Genesis of this incredible story of reconciliation to bring about some reconciliation, maybe in in the lives of some of you who are listening today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.